Hey everybody, I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here at DHC, and we are wrapping up this eight-week series called Revolutionary. And it's been so exciting for me to be a part of this, and it's been so exciting for me to be able to unpack what this looks like with all of us who've been on this journey together. Because revolutionary was the only phrase that we could come up with to describe this message that Jesus gave, the most radical message that he ever gave called the Sermon on the Mount, this message that he gave on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And if you haven't Googled that yet, do that, and you can see kind of where that is and what that looks like, okay? It's on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. But the Sermon on the Mount, there were so many things in there that we unpacked in the past eight weeks. And today, we are just going to wrap it up. And it's going to be a really powerful day. We had a really powerful first service here at DHC. But as, I, as always, I told you that I would take you down memory lane to kind of look at where we've been. Maybe you haven't been a part of this series and you're trying to catch up and you need to check it out online or uh, do whatever. But the first week, we talked about these things called beatitudes, these supreme blessings. And Jesus said, if you really want the supreme blessings of God in your life, if you want the blessings of God in your life, then what you need to do is humble yourself and dedicate yourself to other people and give of yourself. That's really when you're going to get the supreme blessings of God in your life. And then on week two, we looked at salt and light. We looked at what Jesus said about his followers. He said, when you say yes to following after me and you say yes to putting my teaching into practice in your life, then you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. The world needs you. This earth needs you. It needs your influence and in you are salt and light. And then on the third week, we kind of did a smorgasbord of what Jesus talked about. We talked about murder, and he compared anger to murder. That's how powerful it was. That's how powerful of an emotion anger is. He talked about adultery, and if that's happened to you or if you've been a victim of that or maybe you participated in it, you know how disruptive and just heartbreaking that is to your life. And then he talked about eye for an eye, that the old way said that if you wrong me, I can do exactly what you did back to me, but what the new way is is laying yourself down for someone else. And then... He said this, you should love your enemies. And nobody liked this week because it was just like we all had people in our mind. And we were like, man, we got to love our enemies. And I talked about angry people that week, if you remember. Like people in our lives who are just angry. And it just seems like there's a lot of angry people. Like people work at the Publix Deli, right? You know, it's just one of those things. And so we have to love our enemies and actually give of ourselves to them. And we talked about prayer. And Jesus gave an outline for prayer and what that looks like and how we should put that into practice in our life in a very simple way. And we don't babble on and on. We then hit money and possessions, and Jesus said it's okay to have money. It's, it's not a bad thing. Just don't do what? Fall in love with your money. Don't fall in love with your money or your stuff or your possessions. And then last week, we talked about a message that I frankly didn't want to stand on the stage and give, but we did, and we talked about worry. And we talked about what Jesus said about worry and how powerful it was when you struggled with worry in your life. Today, we're going to wrap this up, and I truly believe that this is the most powerful message in the entire series. I really believe that this is just something that is amazing that Jesus said and that we need to take so seriously because we're going to talk about this today, true and false disciples. See, a disciple is a follower of something. And Jesus said, there are going to be people who are true disciples of mine, and then there are going to be people who claim to know me, but they really don't know me. And I'm going to talk about that throughout the entire morning. But before we kind of dive in, I got a question for you. Has anybody ever told you something and you're like, is that true? I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I get told a lot of things, and kind of like my truth meter is up, and I'm going, I wonder if that's true or not. Well, when I was a kid, growing up, every house that we lived in had a pool. It was just something that my parents were passionate about. The Duckworth family loved their swimming pools, so we always had a pool when I was growing up as a kid. My mom always used to say to me, hey, if you pee in that pool, 
there is dye in there, and it will turn the water dark blue, and I'll know that you did that. And I was like, really? I was like, There's th that exists? She's like, yes. And she was a nurse, so she was like, you know, she had like, she gave some like, you know, scientific argument for it. She's like, if it, and you will be so grounded, you have no idea what will happen to you if you do that. So I never did it. And I was like, always like scared to death, right? I was like, is that true? Is there really that special dye that can like turn the water different color if you do that? And like, I didn't want to be embarrassed or even if in a hotel or who, she said it was in every pool. But wouldn't you know that about two years ago, I was watching Mythbusters and I saw that episode and they in fact had this episode where they talked that that dye does not exist. I FaceTimed my mom so fast, I said, Mom, you liar. Why did you say that to me? And she goes, well, I just wanted to make sure you never did that, even as an adult, so don't do it. Even now, she still says it. But I, so anyway, I was just, and you've probably heard something like that in your own life, like something about, like, is this really true? Is this something that, you know, that, uh, that, that this person's telling me is accurate? And how do you know? Well, a lot of people not only just tell you things about life and different topics and ideas, but they talk about Jesus and a lot of times people have tried to tell us about Jesus and who he is, and the local church has tried to tell us who he is. But the summary of today and what Jesus said was this, and I'm going to put it on the screen, that people will claim to know me. Jesus said, hey, people will claim to know who I am. People are going to tell you things about me throughout your life, and people are going to claim to know who I am. The local church, different denominations, they're going to claim to know who Jesus is and tell you all kinds of things about him and who he is and what he said. He said, people will claim to know me, but not really, all of the, not all of them really do. And so today we're just going to land on what he said about that. And I truly believe this is the most powerful thing that he said throughout this entire message series. So if you have scripture, you can go ahead and open it up. It's in the book of Matthew, and it's going to be on the screen. If you do not have one, it's okay. Not everyone. That's what he said. Don't miss this. And actually, I think there's a typo somewhere in here. They told me about it. It's seven, so if it's off and you're on your phone, you might want to just look in the next chapter, right? But not everyone who calls out to me, that's what he said, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? talks about this kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of heaven is like here and what it will be like then in the future. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do what? The will of my Father in heaven will enter. The will of my Father. You want to talk about this thing called the kingdom of heaven? You better do the will of my Father. Not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will be there and will do the will of my Father. He then said on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name, but I will reply, little miss this, it's so important, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who has broke God's laws. This is so complex. And if you've studied anything about you know, what scholars have said or theologians have said about this text, they've debated this for centuries and what this looks like. This is so complex, what Jesus just said, and it's so different and unique, and there's so much, you know, allegory and metaphor in there, and it's so hard for us to pick it apart. Pick it apart. But I'll tell you this, as complex as this is, I think it's actually pretty simple. In fact, I think it's one of the most simple things he ever said, and let me tell you why. Because when he did this, he was doing something. He was doing something very powerful to the people of the time, and it also transcends time to us. He was warning the church. 
He was warning the church of today. He said, whoa, don't you dare misrepresent me. Don't you say that I said things that I didn't say. How, if you do that, don't you misrepresent me because I'll claim to not know you. Don't go putting stuff back in that I didn't say. Don't do that. Don't you dare misrepresent me. I will get away from you. So he warned the church. He said, don't do that. So my question is, why did we do it? If he was so strong with us and so stern with us, why did we do it? You can argue all day that we didn't do it. Yeah, we did. People have put stuff back into the church that they hate about church, and Jesus warned us not to do that. Because here's the real truth. If you go out there and you talk to family or friends who aren't engaged with the local church, who don't want to be a part of church, a lot of people don't even want to be a part of this. They hate church. And we asked them when we started Downtown Harbor, what are the things you don't like? And we're going to talk about all those as we continue to go through the next month or so. But Jesus warned the church. But the problem is with this, because there's always a problem. This is the problem with the whole Sermon on the Mount is Jesus addressed these issues because he knew we would deal with them. This is the problem. Many follow what the church says. So many people actually engage with church and they follow what the church says. The problem with this is, and this is why Jesus said what he said, in my opinion, the problem is the church, what the church says, doesn't always line up with what Jesus said. Therefore, we have a problem, a big problem, because we've put a whole bunch of stuff back in to the radical, revolutionary message of Jesus, which never should have been in there in the first place. So therefore, because what the church said doesn't always line up with what Jesus said, people have developed a hatred for church. It's dying all over the world. That's why we started Downtown Harbor Church, to do something different in our community, to engage with people, hopefully for the first time. Well, Adam, well, what do you mean? Like, what does the church say that doesn't line up with what Jesus said? I'm glad you asked, because I have a couple of examples. And these are things that I've seen throughout my life and history, and I'll just let you know that it absolutely breaks my heart that these things exist. It breaks my heart because it's not anything that has to do with the message of Jesus. So let me just give you a couple things to chew on and see if you've ever dealt with something like this. Here's the first one, an example of what the church has taught it has nothing to do with what Jesus said. There is a hierarchy of people who can know God. Different denominations and religions and sects of Christianity have said throughout history that, oh, you lowly people, you cannot know God like I know God. Or you who've sinned, you don't even have the ability to communicate with God. You, in fact, have to go speak to someone who's more important than you so that you can actually tell them about it and they will therefore tell God about it. There's a hierarchy of people who can know God. What a bogus, ridiculous thing that we have created. That is the most backwards, silly thing that I have ever heard. Any single person in this room, because of what Jesus did, can know who God really is and can have a relationship with him, can communicate with him in prayer and can know him and engage and volunteer and be a part of a local church. This is bull. And we put it back in. That there's a hierarchy of people who can know God. And it's generally somebody on a stage with a microphone in a costume because that's what we've created. 
has nothing to do with what Jesus said. Nothing. And he warned us against it. You know what he said? He goes, this is not the will of my father. Those of you who are going to claim to know me, do the will of my father. This is not it. Not even close. Here's the second one. God's love for me is determined by my behavior. Now, let me hit the pause button. You should not do stupid things in your life. Like, that's just, like, make wise decisions. Make the wisest decisions you can. Like, be, you know, cognizant of what you do and your actions and your behavior. You should not make unwise decisions. We talk about that at Downtown Harbor Church. I encourage you to do that. But I will tell you this. Once you say, okay, I'm in with Jesus. I believe that he is who he said that he is. You and God are fine. And so often we've been taught that because of our behavior or our sin, that God will actually cast judgment on us here on this earth, that bad things will happen to us, that our family might suffer or we might go through pain. We've been taught that based on our behavior. Nothing, nothing because of what Jesus did could be farther from the truth. Nothing. Once you say yes to him, you and God are fine. And we've been taught that God lo God's love for me is determined by my behavior, not the will of the Father. And then this one, it just burns me up. Like, I, can you, I'm, I'm preaching up here today, you know? This burns me up. Here's the deal. That you are worthless without Jesus. I have been told this so many times, that without Jesus, I'm nothing. I mean, I believe every person in this room should say yes to Jesus and pivot in their life and follow after him and believe that he is who he said that he was. You should do that. You should do it now. If you've never done it, yes, you should. But... To say that people, human beings who are creations, are worthless without Jesus is not anything that Jesus would have ever said, and he never said it on this earth. He taught us how valuable we were, and how much the world needed us, and how much your family needs you, and how much you should love your neighbor as yourself, and how much you matter to this earth. And I've been told that without Jesus, I'm totally worthless. Really? Really? And we have to ask ourselves, why people don't want to engage with the local church. We have to ask ourselves, why don't people want to come to something like this? Why is the church in Europe and across America declining? Really? We actually are kind of dense enough to ask ourselves that question based on what I've just said? But the problem is, because there's always a problem, Jesus warned us. He actually warned us of it, and we still did it. Because this has happened, Unfortunately, because these things have happened, unfortunately what the church has said has led to a couple of things. And it's largely an opinion of what goes on inside churches all over the world. It's led to this, ego. It's led to massive glorified egos with people who are powerful and have control of masses of population throughout history because we've put all these things back in. Do you know that ego is the absolute opposite of everything that Jesus taught? Ego is the absolute opposite of every single thing that he said to do in your life. Ego. And then self-righteousness. Because what happens is, is when you think that you're better than people, or when you are part of the church and you look at other people on the outside, you think they're not as good as I am. They're, they can't do what I do. Look how special and spiritual and self-righteous I am. It just gets ugly. And the third thing that it's led to, it's led to judgment. It's led to the church judging other people or other groups of people because there might be disagreement. They might not line up on every issue. And these things that I've mentioned, which are so sad, are the things that Jesus taught us to reject. 
yet we've embraced them again. And here's what I want you to know. That Christians, the local church, should actually be rejecting this. The same things that we reject about Christianity are the things the church should reject. We should be rejecting these things. We should be saying no because it doesn't line up with what Jesus said. The problem is, though, because there's always a problem. Because people have begun to reject the local church, they, began, they started to reject Jesus. These same things have caused people to reject Jesus. But he didn't say any of these things. And yet there's mass confusion about it. People go, I don't want to be a part of that. Why? Because they're egomaniacs. They're self-righteous. They're judgmental. I don't want to do that. Who wants to be a part of that? But you actually have to look at what Jesus said. And the thing is, the truth is, the most powerful truth about Jesus is that he actually warned us against it. In the Sermon on the Mount, as he closed it, he warned us against it. And sure enough, we put it all back in again. So I'm going to put this on the screen, and then i got about another eight minutes left. And this is kind of our point for today, but I'm going to go back to it. So don't believe the lies people tell you. Root yourself in what Jesus said. Don't believe the lies, the mistruths, the things that we've put back into the local church that people tell you. Root yourself in what Jesus said. So I actually started to ask myself this question. What did he say? Because if we're not going to believe what we've been told, we've got to go back to the source. Well, what did he actually say? Right before the text that we already looked at in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said something that was so powerful, and I believe that this answers the question about what he said. Here it is. You can enter God's kingdom only through the what? Narrow gate. And I'm reading this, and I've read this like so many times. Like, I mean, I've literally like read this text, researched this text, and I was reading this again, I was like, ugh. He, oh, he does it every time. He's just like, he's got this language that you got to unpack and like pick apart. I'm going, Jesus, what are, you, what, are you, what are you saying? What is, so I started to ask myself the question, what does he mean? And then he said, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Christianity in about the past 10 years, this word hell has been a debated word and picked apart and talked about and analyzed. And I'll tell you this, I believe that hell exists. I don't know exactly what it's like or what it looks like, but I will tell you this. The only reason that I know that this, even in an emotional standpoint, exists is because there is suffering in this world. And there are people who are starving and children who die and people who have evil inside of them and do horrendous things. That's the only way that I know that that emotion, hell, is real. And you've seen it too. He goes, God's kingdom, it's a narrow gate. He goes, but the gateway to life, to life, to living, to being alive, to be filled with God is a very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Only a few ever find it. So then, as I'm like, at this point in time, I'm like, my head like is on the table, right? I'm just going, oh, how, what are we going to say? How are we going to talk about this? But one question never left my mind. What is this narrow gate? That's what Jesus said, and we don't want to believe lies people tell us. We want to ask ourselves the question, what is this narrow gate? What is he talking about? He always talked in stories and metaphors and analogies and told these parables that were amazing. What is this narrow gate? What is he talking about? I think 
that at least I, in my own personal journey to know who God is, found the exact answer to this question. And if you've been around downtown Harbor for any length of time, you've seen this before, and you're going to see it again. But after we look at this and read it, there's something really powerful that happens. So check this out. In Mark chapter 12, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate because Jesus loved to debate with people. Remember, this is the narrow gate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked of all the commandments, hey, Jesus, which one's the most important? Let me see, the, let me see if I can get you. Which one's the most important? Jesus replied, the most, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. There it is, narrow gate, but he doesn't stop. And he says something is equally as important. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Equally important. No other commandment is greater than these. Now, normally... In churches, and I've done it here. I stop and I go, point proven, let's pray, time to move on, right? But there's more that we've not talked about here at Downtown Harbor yet. And most people just stop here. And this is why I think we can find our answer to what is the narrow gate. Because there was a group of people listening to this, and only one man replied. And you should look this up on your own this week if you have time to kind of go a little deeper and see actually what he said, but I'm going to paraphrase it. I can only imagine these people listening and the guy going, excuse me, question. He goes, Jesus, so you said that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. Yes. And the equally important is loving our neighbor as ourself. Yes. Even our neighbors who we don't like. Yes. Not just people who are Christians. Yes. People at work who don't deserve promotions. Yes. Siblings who've wronged us. Yes. Right? But then he goes, this is the most important, he goes, so you're saying that we don't have to do the burnt offerings and sacrifices anymore? That was his question, because remember, that was the old way, and Jesus came to change everything. He said, don't put that stuff back in. So you, don't, you mean to tell me that we don't have to do the burnt sacrifices and the offerings anymore? This was Jesus' reply which has led me to the confirmation that we found the narrow gate. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Jesus said, you? You understand. You've got it right. This is what I'm saying. Say yes to me, and then go love your neighbor as yourself. Don't do that other stuff anymore. Don't put that back in. You got it right. Don't believe the lies people tell you. Root yourself in what Jesus said. We need to put our feet in the ground and firmly plant them because those are the words of the guy who predicted his own death and resurrection, and I'm with him. He didn't say anything like the things that I put up on the screen before. And we've muddied it up. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he warned us. He said, if you do this, this will not go well. I will not claim to know you if you do this. And here's what we've done. We've done it. And so at Downtown Harbor Church, 
we have wholeheartedly prided ourselves on absolutely looking back to the words of Jesus to go, what did he actually say? Because I don't know about you, but if you've been around church for any length of time, and maybe you've been burned or disenfranchised or never found a home because you couldn't engage because of some of the things that I put on the screen earlier, I could not stand or sit or lie down for one more day without doing something about it. That's why we started DHC. And DHC has grown into a phenomenal movement here in our community. And people are enjoying each other's company and understanding this and picking apart the scriptures together and debating them and being a part of really cool things for the first time ever, ever in my life as a Christian. I have never been around or been a part of how many amazing people get this here at Downtown Harbor Church. Never. It's very powerful for me in my life to be able to finally experience this. And I know some of you are in the exact same place because for the first time ever, I'm not believing the lies that I've been told anymore. I'm not having to peel away all the layers that the church has put back in that Jesus warned us not to do. I finally, finally feel like we are getting this right by rooting ourselves in what Jesus said. And as he closed the Sermon on the Mount, he told another story about sand and rock at the end. So you know if you're looking at that this week. But right before he did that, he said what I put up on the screen first. A warning to us. And we take that warning seriously. Because we believe he is who he said that he was. This whole message series, everything that he said is so different than anything the people of the time had ever heard. And it's so different than how people live today. That's why we don't only think of one word to describe it. Revolutionary. And that's really what it is. And at DHC, I feel like for the first time ever, we're starting a different revolution. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited that you are a part of this journey with all of us. Don't believe in the lies people tell you. Root yourself in what Jesus said. Let me pray for us. Dear God, I'm just so thankful for this series and, and this message today and what you're doing through the lives of people here. Jesus, would you help every one of us to do this? God, let your spirit move through us and fill us so that we could do this as a local church and not believe the lies that we've been told, but to root ourselves in what you say so that we can say yes to you and then go out and love our neighbors as ourselves and have the best family that we could ever have, have the best careers that we could ever have, have the best friends filled with love that we could ever have, and that people would look at us. We want people to look at us and say, I don't know what those people have, but I want to be a part of it, and I want it. And God, I'm so thankful for this whole last eight weeks and what you've done. Continue to bless us as we move forward, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen.